Welcome to the Temple Forum, a podcast from First United Mothers Church in the heart of Chicago. Here we welcome a diversity of voices and conversation about how we live in the world as people of faith. Today, I'm talking to Dwight Judy, Professor Emeritus of Spiritual Formation at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary. A retired United Methodist minister, Judy has a PhD in transpersonal psychology and has served as a parish pastor, academic administrator, faculty member, retreat leader, and retreat center director. He's active now as a spiritual director. As Christians, we are called to do justice, but justice work can be draining if we do not spend time in spiritual renewal. Dr. Judy is an expert in spiritual renewal. Welcome, Dr. Judy. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, uh, Liz, for the invitation. Dr. Judy, let's, let's jump in. You had an experience in the first decade of your career that changed the course of the rest of your career. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yes, I was a parish pastor in the Dallas area for almost a decade. It was the decade of the 1970s, which might tell you a little bit about issues of social justice and uh, care, uh, community ministries in those days. Um, I had found the uh, work of community outreach and social justice ministries to be very, very satisfying. Uh, and toward the end of that decade, I just uh, experienced myself as empty. And uh, in fact, I wrote in my journal, my soul has left me. I must go and find where I have gone. Uh, literally, it ended up uh, taking us across country from uh, Texas to California. But uh, basically, it, it took me into a domain of myself that I didn't know about. Uh, so this occurred to me in my uh, early to mid 30s. And uh, I realized that as a... Uh, Christian, I had been living out the image of following Jesus, uh, trying to be faithful in that model of the suffering servant, trying to do good, and I was empty. Uh, and I didn't know anything about one of the other promises of our faith, which is to know the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, or we might say uh, Christ, the living water, as uh, he promises us. Um, and in the midst of my uh, confusion, uh, one of my friends uh, said, you need to go see Father Anthony Morello. And he was a Carmelite monk in Dallas, had created uh, a center in the 1970s, uh, that he called Mount Carmel, a center for spiritual education. And I started attending his five-day summer institutes. Uh, one of those was called Prayer East and West. And he basically gave me the contemplative prayer practices from the earliest days of Christianity. Uh, I also experienced the interior castle of Teresa of Avila with him. And this put me uh, in search of uh, compatible doctoral studies, uh, which we found at the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology uh, in San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, 
So it was radically life-changing, actually. Uh, once I discovered these prayer practices, I immediately began to share them. Uh, and, and literally that has become my life work since and helping to develop spiritual formation as a field in seminary education uh, in my work with uh, Garrett Evangelical. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing. I, I wonder too, if you end up working with a lot of people who you see them in the place that you were at that point in your life when you had to make a change. You know, we are usually on the verge of uh, a transition. <laughs> uh, when the uh, awareness comes, hmm, I, I need more. I need something deeper. I need something uh, richer out of uh, our faith tradition to uh, carry me. So I would say yes. And one of the sanctioned ways to do that kind of uh, uh, deep, transitional journey in our culture is education. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's been my privilege uh, to then work with people uh, since around, golly, uh, early 1980s who are in this transitional phase in their graduate studies of various kinds. It's, it's very rewarding. What can we learn from the wisdom of the Christian tradition about how to sustain ministry and justice work over the long term? Well, I think I think what dawned on me is not unusual. <laughs> uh, we have to find the divine energy uh, to sustain long-term work in injustice and ministry. You know, I I actually had a mental idea about this before my crisis, uh, which occurred uh, about uh, eight or nine years later. Uh, and that was in a course on uh, studies in John Wesley, the uh, founder of the Methodists in the late, eight, uh, late 1700s in England. Uh, he had a term called the means of grace, which we call spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. And these include our worship life, uh, our sacramental life, particularly Holy Communion, our private devotional life. Uh, the way we uh, study the Bible for inspiration, uh, and the way we have deep conversations with one another. Uh, those are called the means of grace. Uh, and it means that uh, these practices help us uh, ascertain and develop a more presence of God within our life as grace. Well, in, in that paper I wrote all those decades ago, uh, I named social justice as a means of grace, uh, precisely because when we try to practice social justice in a very deep way, we run out of energy. Uh, and so we have to turn to uh, find those deeper resources uh, within ourselves and with God to sustain us. I work in nonprofit and there's a lot of emphasis in that field on self-care and mindfulness from a secular perspective to help people cope with, with vicarious trauma and overwhelm and, and all of the challenges of doing this type of work. What do you think is gained by using specifically a Christian approach? Well, well first of all, as Christians, uh, we are simply living out our faith. We are living uh, in this kind of work, the great commandment. 
uh, to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Uh, we are manifesting that uh, hopefully in uh, daily life in whatever vocation we're engaged in. Uh, I, I sense that uh, we don't do well unless we see how whatever our work is, is attached uh, to deep meaning for the sake of the good of the society. Uh, and that can run the gamut from our uh, uh, work in the financial sector to our service industries, uh, to uh, our uh, uh, ways we contribute to the well-being of a community, uh, uh, whether it's in the janitorial work or it's in nursing or in uh, vocations of uh, uh, all kind of care, but specifically uh, in this area of uh, nonprofit work that really focus in uh, social justice ministries. Uh, I'd like to also remind us we're living out the Beatitudes. Uh, we are being peacemakers. Uh, we are hungering and thirsting for justice and living it out. So first of all, there's a, a, a deep satisfaction uh, and a grounding in Christianity that inspires us. And we, we it's okay to be needy, <laughs> see? It's okay to, <laughs> to have that worshiping community inspiration uh, every week. It's okay to need companions. Uh, in which we can talk about deep issues of life. Wesley called this Christian conferencing. Uh, it's a wonderful kind of archaic term. We call it uh, spiritual companioning, <laughs> spiritual support uh, in our conversations with one another. And so there's a real capacity to draw on our Christian resources, including private devotional life, our our meaningful conversations with our soul friends, the way we interface this work with the community uh, and the greater good of the society, all of that is very, very satisfying. And so the missing piece may be simply that we try to do it too much out of our own resources rather than regularly turning to say, I need help. <laughs> I need I need the uh, ongoing grounding of the regular infusion, if you will, of the grace and peace of God um, and the energy of that to guide us. So you mentioned Christian conferencing. How is that? Are, are there particularities of that practice that look different than talking to a friend or or a mentor uh, at through work? What does that look like? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, first of all, there would be similarities. So uh, to uh, make a more general term, our conversations uh, in which we are uh, delving into matters of meaning uh, and service and meaning making, uh, all of that would be a part of what we would call Christian conferencing, but it's a part of any good, uh, you know, faithful living. 
in terms of the Christian conferencing, we, we call that these days uh, in Christian circles, spiritual direction or spiritual guidance. And uh, we experience it in our small group studies together in, in church settings. We can experience it in a more of a uh, specified kind of soul friend relationship in which there is a shared vocabulary, if you will, of uh, Christian life uh, in which we reflect upon our life story in which maybe scriptures come to mind that we uh, speak of together. Uh, and this has been a, a marvelous field developing for Protestants in the last 40 years. It really grew out of the Roman Catholic orders in more recent uh, centuries. And, uh, and in the last uh, 40 years, uh, the term spiritual direction has become very common in Protestant circles as well. We have degree work, for example, in that, in our seminaries now. And so the main distinction is the shared vocabulary of, uh, of, of Christian faith tenets and scripture. Yeah, it sounds like overall you're saying there is a, a deeper satisfaction and sense of meaning when we are incorporating a Christian faith in, in these conversations and thinking about what we're doing and in, in specifically thinking about God when we are doing mindfulness yeah, work. Exactly, right. So, so the, the point is uh, uh, we have much need for, for that kind of deep conversation universally in the culture. And uh, I like to think of us as uh, trying to be bilingual, if you will, spiritually. So uh, how do we both cultivate uh, a language of meaning that we can speak with persons of uh, all kinds of faith uh, perspectives or no faith perspective, uh, and yet the shared uh, need of common commitment to, to the good of the society. And at the same time, uh, to recognize there is a richness for Christians in uh, uh, bringing the, the, the language of faith into our conversation about these uh, areas of meaning. You mentioned, you, you've mentioned Wesley a few times, um, and earlier you mentioned St. Teresa of Avila, I think, um, I think a lot of times there's there's credit to Eastern religions around meditation, but you have written about this rediscovery of older wisdom within the Christian tradition. Uh, can you speak more to that? Oh, sure, yes. Well, what I like to say is that in the last 40 to 50 years, this is basically uh, around the mid 1970s, there began to be a recognition within Christian circles that we had lost something very profound. And that is what I like to call the living uh, lineage of prayer from the earliest days of Christianity. We've rediscovered that. We, we now have resources from the folks we call the desert fathers and mothers in the earliest days of Christianity who really uh, uh, sought a, a deep, self-understanding alongside of their Christian faith. Uh, they gave us these prayer practices such as meditating on scripture. And uh, then throughout Christian history, you see various movements arise. Uh, the What's commonly called these days centering prayer arises from a text uh, in England in the uh, 
uh, 1300s called the cloud of unknowing. We have a tradition that's called the Jesus prayer that comes out of the Eastern Orthodox and Russian Orthodox church, uh, which is a prayer phrase, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And uh, we now have uh, wonderful resources, our, 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 uh, both YouTube, audio uh, resources in our books are uh, voluminous that redraw us uh, into the depth of what we can call the Christian contemplative prayer uh, practice. What's the difference between prayer and meditation? Uh-oh. Is there a difference? <laughs> That's a uh, linguistic uh, challenge. So when we say meditation, uh, the way I have used it uh, in speaking of Christian meditation is very much uh, like what we could call contemplative prayer. Uh, basically, there is any, any form that gives us a very simple framework linguistically we can call meditation or contemplation. Uh, so for example, in centering prayer, we're encouraged to find a single word. The uh, cloud of unknowing suggests pick a word that you like, such as God or love, and that's it. That's the prayer practice. So we offer that to whatever comes to mind. In, in meditating on scripture, we read just a few verses and then find something will spark our, our, our uh, sense of curiosity and meaning. And then we just dwell on that. Uh, we can say we meditate on that phrase. And there are great similarities in these Christian practices because of their simplicity to other forms of meditation uh, in, the, in the world religions. So you'll find very simple, uh, similar practices uh, in, in uh, mindfulness practice of, for example, focusing on the breath. And that's the focus. <laughs> and then whatever comes to mind, you notice it, but you come back to the focus. I actually think of centering prayer as a, a kind of warm meditation, not dissimilar to the Buddhist uh, forms of simple meditation, because this the, the, the distinction is that in, in centering prayer, we are focusing on divine love. We're focusing on keeping a presence of love alive with our single simple word. And then it gets into uh, uh, other definitions are used in more specific ways. Uh, so I think I'll leave it at that for the moment. <laughs> Dr. Judy, I'm wondering if someone were to proactively adopt a, a strong spiritual life and, and Christian meditation, could they avoid moments of crisis in their life? Or do you think that? <laughs> in a word, no, no, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, what, uh, in fact, it may be the crisis that, that in inspires us to search for this as it did for me. And that's not unusual, you know. And in fact, in Christian tradition, we have a, a, a lot of writing around what's commonly called the uh, dark night. Uh, periods of time in which 
uh, our faith does not seem as strong in which a sense of God's presence is not as vivid. And uh, then we have wonderful writings that help us to uh, wander through that kind of emptiness and uh, discern. Well, I'll give you an example. So uh, another of the images that came to me in that early to mid-30s crisis in my life was uh, God is silent. And then after a few months, I said to myself, I know nothing about silence. So that was a a very rich awakening moment to say, uh, oh, what felt like emptiness was an invitation to really uh, uh, discover a different way of relating to reality and uh, learn the way of silence. I went to a uh, 24-hour silent retreat and realized I'd never been silent in my life like that. So the gift of the, uh, of the again, uh, the wonderful image of the cloud of unknowing, the gift of not knowing uh, can really be a source of inspiration for us. But there's but, something I, comforting but, about that too. There is, uh, there is, and and that's uh, I think a part of some of these deep writings and Christian tradition is, uh, you know, it's the invitation to be completely self-honest. The the Psalms uh, have been called the uh, songbook of the church, and they are very, very emotional. You know, whatever emotion you have has been expressed already (laughs) uh, in the writings of the Psalms, and uh, uh, no matter how distraught. uh, So we're encouraged to be uh, really honest uh, emotionally with ourselves, uh, but also to uh, take heart that uh, crises will come and we can uh, find sustenance within them. And, uh, and maybe find new sources of support uh, in the midst of the crisis. Yeah, that sounds like there's, there's, there's comfort there and there's, there's wisdom there to draw on. And I think, especially right now in the world, it's a lot of use for lamentations yeah. and uh, incorporating the, the, the darker parts of lived experience. Yes, we, we can't avoid it. And uh the uh, invitation of, of Christianity is to uh, go on in it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we, we, we are in the season of Lent at the moment, uh, which is the invitation to recognize that uh, we will die, we will suffer, and that Jesus died and suffered. Uh, and that's not the end of the story, uh, that there are uh, breakthroughs that... Uh, come throughout life and even through the challenges. Where can people start with uh, Christian meditation or prayer? Uh, are there practices that you can share today? You, uh, you've alluded to-, to I've alluded to several. Uh, and uh, one of the simplest is to uh, uh, go to the Psalms, read a few verses, and let it be your prayer. And if it doesn't fit for today, that's fine. Uh, write your own phrase. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, it may or may not inspire you, but uh, uh, if you read long enough, you'll find something that does. Uh, you can do that same kind of practice with a single gospel, like Mark, Matthew, Luke, or John. Just begin reading, but don't 
don't read for, uh, it's not a contest to see how quickly and how much you can read. It's rather the value is in, in reading a little bit until something captures your imagination and then just sit with that, think on that, uh, ponder that. In, in times like ours, we need the refreshment of nature. Uh, it was said of the medieval uh, monks of Christianity, they had two books, nature and the Bible. And hmm. uh, this is a time, uh, particularly as, oh, spring is dawning a bit, let's get outside, uh, enjoy the uh, mysteries of the birds returning and the uh, uh, lakeshore opening up and the... Uh, warmth of the sun. Uh, and and I would suggest, you know, for this time, uh, just find a few words of positivity, uh, kind of like a prayer phrase that you can just take with you. You know, it might be as simple as, uh, give me peace today. Peace, peace, peace. And when you are too distraught, just Take a breath, sink into God, give me peace uh, or help me to love better. Uh, something that we can take with us uh, to the grocery store when we can go there. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and finally, you know, to cherish our, our, uh, the, the, those relationships that do uh, serve us uh, deeply. You know, maybe... Uh, I'm sure some of us have been sending more uh, greeting cards than usual in the pandemic season and or, uh, you know, reaching out for a phone call or a, a conversation. And those are wonderful practices for us to sustain us. So it's, it sounds like you've talked about there, there's both this piece of savoring the present and, you know, looking at nature and looking at our relationships and appreciating that. Uh, while also sometimes being called to deeper contemplation and reflection on the things that are challenging us. Uh, definitely. You know, we, we don't uh, avoid those things. Uh, and whether they are something we need to uh, talk out with a friend, maybe we need to uh, practice uh, journal writing if that's a new uh, adventure for us and take the problem and just write and write and write <laughs> or take the uh, uh, image out of scripture that speaks to us and let that help us uh, uh, reflect on this problematic area. Thank you. Any final words or thoughts before we close? I have a, a website, dwightjudy.com, and if people are interested in exploring some of these prayer uh, practices, there are many uh, audio resources on the various forms of Christian prayer and meditation uh, under the resources tab and uh, other areas uh, that you might uh, find helpful and interesting to point to. Uh, and mainly, thank you, uh, Liz, for this opportunity and uh, uh, for engaging in this very important conversation for these days. Thank you for being here, Dr. Judy. It's been been really illuminating conversation for me. Thank you. You've been listening to the Temple Forum from First United Methodist Church in Chicago. You can find more conversations like this online at chicagotemple.org 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Please join us again soon.